Welcome to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On each episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. This week we're discussing Isao Takahata's third feature, 1994's Pompoko, about a community of magical shape-shifting tanuki who struggle to prevent their forest home from being destroyed by urban development. Now, Trevor, I'm sure uh, you've noticed me remark several times during these recordings, something along the lines of, that's something you wouldn't see in a Disney or Pixar movie. Whether it's textual, like the discussion of periods in Only Yesterday and the Ocean Waves, or visual, like the Ozu-esque cutaways and establishing shots in many Takahata and Miyazaki films. But I think Pompoko really takes the crown for its would never be made by an American film studio Not only does the film's plot chart the building of a real development in Tokyo, its sensibility is filled to the brim with references to Japanese folklore, and it wears its very Japanese sensibilities on its sleeve. Now, Trevor, I ask you this. Did you find the movie's dedicated Japanese-ness an asset for the truly unique world it creates, or a hindrance as centuries of Japanese folklore and history are crammed into a two-hour eco-fable about Tanuki who use their balls to crush people? Or perhaps a little of both? <laughs> Ooh, that's such a good question. I like to do a little intro for this episode. Um, I absolutely think a little bit of both. And the I love that it is so Japanese and that we have that, that folklore. Um, and I'm certain that uh, Japanese people caught on to that very quickly. It was super hard for me, though, in the beginning. I was very confused in moments. Um, and then even more so to touch on, did it make it feel crammed? Um, I think one of a perfect representation of that is the constant narration in the film, which is keeping us um, a lot of telling the viewer what's going on rather than showing us what's going on, which we've kind of had that conversation before of, um, I have a complicated relationship with narration. And so I think that there were, but it, but it made it so, it wasn't just a hindrance though, because it made it fun to try and figure out what was going on. <laughs> How about for you? Oh, this is, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to reevaluate it at all during this watch, but this has always been one of my favorite Ghiblis. I think um, back when I uh, rated all of these many years ago, I think I had this as my third or fourth favorite out of like 20 so obviously there's something about this that I connect with, uh, probably just because you'll never find any movie that's remotely like this. It's, there's just so much happening. There's so much weirdness. There's It's fun, but it's also serious in some ways. It's talking about important things. There's all, there's all that folklore, but it's, you know, it's tying itself to something that's actually happening. You know, it's using mm-hmm. these animals as a metaphor for humans you know they're sort of lazy and easily distracted and things like that there's just so many different things happening like that you know the narration you know changes perspective several times there's like weird shots of like you know sort of weird metaphorical imagery like at some point you know they use like a video game to illustrate what's happening to the community (laughs) of tanuki Uh, like just so many different things happening and i'm always a fan of films that do too much you know and have too much going on and are maybe hop, hopping across too many different genres and it doesn't all work. 
I, I found it probably particularly messy this time, even though, I mean, probably for, because of that, I was trying to, um, well, not that I was really analyzing it, but I, I, was, I was probably watching this and then thinking what you were thinking at the same time, like wondering how you would be taking the movie in. Cause I, you know, I, I knew everything that was going to happen. I'd seen this probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight times. Um, but yeah, it's a, oh, wow. it's a massive mess of a film, but <laughs> not in a bad way necessarily. But I do. Not in a bad I, way. I, yeah. I do enjoy a lot of it. I think visually there's so many interesting, interesting things going on. Um, the plot is always engaging, even though it's maybe focusing on too many different things um, or doesn't always seem to have a sort of solid sort of trajectory about where it's going. Um, but no, I do. I, I, I still do love this movie, even though it's, <laughs> it's just so weird. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not weird necessarily because it's um, it's tied strongly to Japanese culture. Although I'm sure I'm missing um, things that are significant or things that I find strange, you know, might be less strange in Japanese culture, but it's more of the storytelling that no matter what culture, there's just so much, so much happening. Um, it's more about the story than like the characters that are involved. You don't really care that. I mean, you care about the, the Tanuki, but not, you don't really know, who, you know, who the main character is, is not really important. It's sort of about, yeah. you know, it's, it's all sort of, it's working on a more, it's working on a level that's sort of stepping back and looking at this problem. And it's maybe a little bit metaphorical as well, but it's less, it's not a character driven drama. Mm-hmm. It, it's telling a, a big story on many different levels. Um, so, so did you, did you enjoy the movie or uh, tell us a little bit more about, about your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think <clears throat> you just touched on something that I was going to touch on in terms of, did I enjoy it? Um, I am, as we've discussed, I'm a little bit more drawn to characters and uh, relating to a specific, not even just specific one character, but like latching onto a character's growth throughout the film. Um, and in the beginning, it was it was a little bit harder for me because there isn't necessarily um, a lot of uniqueness to many of the characters. I mean, there is some, but again, I'm not like watching their growth, but it kind of just turned into this community of Tanuki that was, that was like one big character. And so when I kind of latched onto that, that, that helped me enjoy the film a little bit more. And then um, I also just, I love stories about mm, like encroaching growth um, with like the humans coming in and building Nutama and why they had to build Nutama and how dense it is and um, just kind of like the cascading effects that something of that massive scale that would have on uh, the ecology and just in general everything in that region. Um, I liked that aspect of the story. Um, it was a little weird for me, <laughs> but it was also fun. I kept having to kind of remind myself not to take it too seriously which was funny because it's actually a super serious film in the guise of of fantasy so yeah i did like it yeah it's it it's serious in the sense that you do feel from the characters but you can also see it coming through in the sort of in the from the director that there's a real anger in it as well and that's 
It's it's not just all played for laughs, even though a lot of it is well, played like, for laughs. Well, they kill people. <laughs> there are stakes. People die. A lot of the Tanuki die exactly. in various <laughs> battles. Um, you know, some of the scenes are, can be quite violent. If, you know, if even using their testicles to injure and kill people. That's just, <laughs> I mean, I have a whole section in my notes about the testicles. Um, but I mean, I think, again, that's a, that's sort of a cultural thing. That's apparently the, you know, the testicles of the, like that, 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 that's a thing that's discussed and is part of the folklore about them, which is just, you know, to Western audiences, <laughs> those things are quite strange in like in the Japanese dub, um, they refer to it as, um, a pouch, you know, um, when, when they actually discuss it. So it's, a, it's a funny thing. Um, I, I assumed you watched the Japanese, like Japanese with English subtitles. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, to be honest, this is one of the few where I'd maybe recommend the English dub. I mean, obviously it's too late for you now, but not, not because it's necessarily a lot better. <laughs> and I'm sure there are things that you, um, you'd miss, um, by watching the English dub, but it's harder in this film. I found watching it. I think this might be the first time I've actually watched it in Japanese. If you don't know, it's easier in English because they have quite distinctive character voices and we we can be like to our English ears, oh, that character is the one that's voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, which is true. That's the main character um, in the English dub. But here with sort of Japanese character voices, which we're obviously a lot less familiar with, you're, you could sort of be a bit like, wait, which character is what? I mean, they all kind of look, you know, they're, they're animals. They all kind of look pretty similar. I mean, the movie does well to try to, um, you know, give them sort of distinct But yeah, there is something to, if you have the English job, it's like, oh, it's that character that sounds like that person, you know, it, it's got that voice. So that's probably easier for someone um, who's watching for the first time. And there are actually, because I've watched the English dub so many times, there are actually quite a lot of jokes that aren't added to the Japanese dub. Um, so, you know, if you ever watch this again, I, I'd recommend also chucking in um, the English job. Well, why don't we get to our favourite shots and favourite scenes? Do you have either a favourite shot or sequence? Or both? Um, I remember, I mean, a lot of my favourite shots were shots when they were uh, kind of like slowed down. Um, and I think like the part where all of the raccoons are kind of like starting to mate and kind of get together and they're just everyone's kind of sitting down and in those moments it's a lot of you know the the foliage and the trees and the, the landscapes i i enjoyed to the more photo real side uh, of thing yeah and then my favorite sequences i think my favorite sequence is when oh i have like three because it was a very visually appealing film um i love the sequence where they made that that bridge disappear during the rainstorm and then that truck goes overboard and the guy fully dies. I thought that was a pretty funny, but uh, and the, the fact that it was a, you know, Raccoon's ball sack was the bridge was way funny. <laughs> um, and then I really liked the parade. The parade lasted much longer than I thought it was going to last, but I think that it was truly just a moment for them to go balls to the walls with their imagination and creativity. So that was... Um, that was fun, and then their 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 last ditch, last ditch effort to 
try and have everybody remember what the what it used to look like before they you know did all the construction i thought that that was absolutely beautiful how about you yeah um favorite shot i mean yeah there there were many there there were there were a lot of really nice sort of um sort of watercolory landscape sort of um images as you were describing i think my favorite is probably like they like in the beginning well and throughout they had like a lot of different sort of symbolic ways of explaining how humans were destroying everything but i just like that shot at the beginning of like a crane sort of like scooping into the side of the mountain and then the houses sort of populating and then like another sort of one scooping in and you know then there's like the shot of like the little tractors on like the leaf like eating it out kind of thing um eating it away and like yeah just like those little details um to try to showcase sort of factual information in a visually interesting way i thought was really um cleverly done favorite sequence i mean it has to be um the operation inspector sequence to be honest that's like i wrote down here it's like in my top three probably favorite scenes um in studio ghibli just because of how like you said it just goes all in and it just keeps on going and there's just so much like imagination and beauty and amazing things that happen and like even just beyond like them showing off with things they can do like that like maybe the favorite another favorite shot is like when there's sort of those guys drunk at like the there's like an outside bar and like this old man drunk and like sort of speaking about, you know, how when they were kids, they used to see all these monsters. And it's like, it's like a single shot for a minute or two minutes. And then all of these, like this parade of crazy things going by in the background and like, like on top of him and like on the side of the frame, things like that. It's just like so many things. So like not even just like showing things in the most visually extravagant way, but showing like very simple, like grounding it in reality while having all this crazy stuff going into the background. Like, I just, I love that sequence so much. Like, that's what makes, like, that. that's what raises this movie up for me a little bit. Like, that that sequence, I just love it so much and, like, how much they really just go all in. And, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that I, like, to me, it's just, like, a lot of random stuff, but I'm sure there's a lot of sort of history and lore and mm-hmm. myth in the sort of images that they're creating um, and, you know, the importance of them. I mean, I'm sure there's not, like, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not missing like that much, but like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm sure they're, they're taking a lot from, um, yeah. you know, art and history and myth, um, which would probably be like a little bit more um, exciting or interesting if I had a bit more of an understanding of that. But um, yeah, just love that sequence. I think like that sequence, um, the sequence in Porco Rosso with um, like the dream sequence uh, with like the, the planes going up to the sky oh, and then yeah. like another one, another one in Spirited Away, probably my, maybe my top three um so let's rate um we'll start with our takahata rating so there's five different characteristics that we're rating out of two um we rate the characteristic two for seeing a lot of this characteristic in the film one for seeing a little bit of this characteristic and um, zero for seeing slim to none and then after we rate them all out of um two we'll have an an extra score out of 10, which basically determines how Takahata-ish this film is. Uh, So let's start um, with the first one, environmental concerns. For obvious reasons, I gave this a two because that's kind of the whole (laughs) conceit of the movie. How about you? Yeah, I gave it a two. I don't feel like there needs to be many words to be said about that. (laughs) Um, The second point is a unique animation style. Now, I gave it... True. I mean, beyond the fact that it 
like the animation of the sort of mythological folklore folkloric elements of it um do look a little bit different because they're sort of based on existing artworks just the way that the film switches between sort of animating the tanuki in sort of three different ways there's like the photorealistic this is trying to look as much like what we would see in real life there's the sort of standard cartoony you know this is if it was on you know saturday tv and then they also change um in moments where like they're very happy or they've been injured or something to like a more primitive sort of round face, even more cartoony form. Um, and then it sort of swaps like flips between all those different styles um, to sort of indicate like what sort of story is being told at that point. Is it the sort of, um, you know, nature documentary side of things or is it the sort of one where they're supposed to represent humans or is it the one where they're supposed to represent something superhuman because they have all these sort of weird powers and um characteristics so that's that was the two for me because it it's quite interestingly done but you yeah you completely stole the words out of my mouth i was gonna be able to two and mostly just because the way that the 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 tanuki were animated i thought it was pretty unique to have them animated in three pretty different unique styles throughout the film Hmm. Um, okay, well, I won't take the words out of your mouth. I'll let you go first for this next one, which is a distinctly Japanese narrative. Um, yeah, I think that I'd give this one a two, and mostly because it was it's a thing that really happened in Japan. Like I said, I didn't really know about this, but I assumed right when the movie began, because it was about you know incredibly dense housing um, and in an effort to create so much the so much housing into one little space. Um, I assumed that was very apropos for Japan and then kind of looking into it and the fact that it was a, it's an actual Japanese city that didn't surprise me. So I'd give it a two. Yeah. I also gave it a two. I mean, you could, you could make a similar narrative and there have been similar narratives like about sort of, you know, animals band, banding together to sort of protect their forest sort of thing in like a Western mm-hmm. context, but everything about the, um, not just the specifics of, this happened in, you know, the... Yeah, you know, the but even the Chinooki, it's like a complete folklore of, like, Japanese folklore, right? Yeah, like, A, an animal that doesn't exist in, yeah, in, in, <laughs> in the West, but then also, yeah, all the folklore that goes around it and how heavily they lean into that element. Um, and then, yeah, that that's very distinctly Japanese to me. Um, interest in the passing of time, which is all, always sort of the most sort of nebulous one, I gave it a two because it's very, I mean, you know, they announce every season basically, and this does follow the progression of this um, development and the progression of the um, Tanuki's five-year plan. And it's about how all this changes over time and then how they adapt over time and how we adapt as humans. I thought time was very um, important. What about you? Uh, Yeah, I agree. Time was very important. I think it was a two. We saw like the demise of this entire like species essentially and it ends with you know a group of the ones that can transform becoming humans at the end and once in a while going back and seeing their friends so Mm. yeah i thought so and lastly um focus on food what did you give that out of two um i'd give it a two i think that i mean it was all it was a lot about it was the fact that they were going to lose a lot of their space and they weren't going to be able to find food anymore and like the ones that could transform you know went to the city and started getting food and bringing it back to um, their tinnicky friends. So I give it a two. 
yeah, originally I because I've had two for all of these, and I think you have as well. Um, I was like, oh, maybe a one, but uh, food is really the key motivator for a lot of the actions, both in terms of like they have no land, so there's no food, there's or they have to get closer to humans to have food, and like that sort of element of survival. But then also the fact that all of their um, whenever they start getting geared up to try to like make a decision or get the humans like the idea of food is what stops them every time. Like, you know, you can't heal, kill humans because there won't be any tempura. You know, we can't <laughs> do this because you're they're too busy, like having hamburgers to get through the end of the thing. Like food comes up so many different ways. Um, yeah. And the fact, yeah, they have to go into town and they, they have energy drinks to sort of like um, keep them um, from transforming and that. Yeah. So that was a two for me. So I think we both gave it a 10 out of 10 for Takahata's, right? What did you give the movie itself out of 10? Um, I gave it, oh, I was very torn, but I ended up with a seven. Okay. Do you want to um, clarify that? Or Yeah. So um, it's a little long. So um, seven is kind of where it tops out for me. But I think that overall it was still a very effective film. Um and I, I probably would have given it a six or a five point five if it hadn't been so visually appealing, and if it hadn't had kind of like that uniqueness with the way in which it uh, portrayed the Tanuki. And where it's lacking points for me is, is that I don't really have a specific protagonist that I am or character that I'm really like drawn to. So uh, a little lacking there, but still very effective film. Yep, I can totally see that. Now, you're usually pretty good at guessing my score, so what do you think? I think that you gave this an 8. I did. <laughs> I got it again. Um, which is probably like a, a downgrade from what I've given it in the past, because I've always just loved this movie, just um, no end. Because, um, you know, as I said before, like I love mm-hmm. I love a movie that gives you a little bit too much and like has too many genres and is trying too hard. Um, <laughs> but it is... It is a very messy movie. Like you say, and I agree, there's no real protagonist to um, connect with, even though we do connect with the raccoons mm-hmm. like as a whole, as a way as we would with just by relating to the protagonists of most movies. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, like the minutiae of their plans always, like it gets a bit muddled and they go back and forth with like, yeah, we're going to kill the humans. And it's like, nah, we can't be bothered doing that. And then like, yeah, we're going to kill the humans. Nah, we can't be bothered. And I think the second act is a little bit slow, but um, it improves once the masters arrive from their various towns. So that's um, an 18 from me and a 17 from you. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we finish up, do you have any um, connections you want to discuss between this and the previous two Takahata movies, uh, Grave of the Fireflies and Only Yesterday? Do you see any sort of connections there? Um, I think the there is an underlying layer of incredible seriousness to Pompoko. Um, But I feel like this was Takahata's first time to kind of, I don't know, be not to kind of not be so ham fisted with the seriousness. Um, I mean, we have Grave of the Fireflies, which there's very little comedy other than maybe comedic relief moments between siblings, but it's very serious and very, 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 depressing and then only yesterday don't get me wrong yes there may be some little funny comedic moments between the characters but it's a 
it's a reflection of life and the things and the, the, that have happened to us and how they form us as adults. And then this film, it just was, I still see those elements. I mean, we've kind of talked about it many times throughout this podcast, but the seriousness of not thinking about the overall impact of our actions as human beings and just doing what we want and taking mm-hmm. the earth and making it our own. But at the same time, I feel like he, it was his first foray into um, kind of making things a little bit more fantastical and less, a little less serious. So those are my connections. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I, I do find all of his movies are quite different in many ways, but I feel like, and this could have been its own um, characteristic if I thought about it a bit more. There's, <clears throat> there tends to be a bit of a, especially in connection to Only Yesterday, there's sort of that rural and metro divide, sort of, like the, you know, the between, you know, the people who live on the land and the animals that need the land and then the necessities, the requirements of a, you know, modern society and things like that and what that brings to it. I thought that's um, something that's a little bit of a connection here. Um, And even when they do like the second Operation Spectre and they make everything sort of look like it used to be, it kind of looks like it, w- it could have been a scene from only yesterday, that sort of farmland that they create. Um, so that's, I mean, there, there are lots of other thematic connections and a lot of the things that we discuss when we talk about our, the five characteristics, but I thought that's just another sort of element that that kind of um, rural metro um, divide. So I think that's it for Pompoko. I will talk to you next time when we discuss 1995's Whisper of the Heart from Yoshifumi Kondo. See ya. See ya.